have been talking about, in the last month, have been talking about um, our church vision. And I'm kind of switching gears today. Matter of fact, we're moving into a different series, but some aspects of this series remain intact as they were even, even in our last series. We've been talking about our vision to love God, to connect with others, and to serve with excellence. If you're a regular attendee here, um, by a show of hands real quick, how many of you uh, think that if somebody were to ask you what the church vision or the church mission statement is out on the street somewhere, that you could articulate that vision uh, immediately or pretty quickly for them? Raise your hand and wave it at me. See, that, that's amazing. That, that what we do here is, is a pretty simple vision. We love God, and, and by loving God, we... And then we do that in our weekend experience, that we, that we want people to know God. And that we also connect with others. There's a new season of connect groups that is starting. Uh, very excited about that. All kind of connect groups for you to join. There's Bible study connect groups. There's interest connect groups. And so, and so these are some great things. But we connect to others, and, and by connecting with others, we believe that people find freedom. And then to serve with excellence, we believe that people find their purpose or discover their purpose and then ultimately they make a difference. And I believe that that is God's plan for our lives, for us to do these things. I was asked this week, I went in for a meeting um, with my, uh, one of my committee members on my doctoral project. And my, my doctoral project actually is on um, connect groups and, and how well we build community um, in this particular aspect of our vision. And so I had to, I had to share the entire vision in a paper uh, to these professors that are that are judging my work and helping me through the process of finishing this doctoral degree and and, and so the professor that I met with this week was talking specifically about the vision and he asked me he said how many people in your church do you think he said because that's a pretty simple vision I mean to love God to connect with others to serve with excellence he said how many people in your church if I were to run into them on the street uh, that have gone to your church for any length of time uh, would be able to tell me that that was, in fact, the, the mission statement of the church. And I said, I would be stunned if it was not 100%. And he said, really? I said, yeah, because we, number one, it's simple. It's not like a five-page paragraphs with paragraphs that you have to try to learn. It's pretty simple. To love God, to connect with others, to serve with excellence. That's what, that's what we're about. And I said, it's pretty simple. I said, the same thing is we reiterate it. It's something that's on our platform. It's something that we talk about. Um, it's something that we want people to be familiar with because it really is um, the mission and the vision of our church. And I, I know that I've, that I've said that recently as we've unpacked that vision these last few weeks. But today, in shifting gears, I, I want to begin by stating that the premise of this next series that we're starting today, I want to state it up front and very clearly, I believe that Jesus Christ, working through the local church, is the most strategic answer to everything that is happening in our world today. You know, I mean, some people say, well, um, you know, Jesus is the answer, and I believe that with all my heart. sung the song for years. I believe that Jesus is an answer, but I believe that Jesus is strategically working through the church. And so when you, when you look at the church, and, and there, are, there are metaphors of the church in the Bible. The Bible is talked about being a building and being a body, but it is specifically referenced as the body of Christ. The church isn't a, 
social club. The church isn't just a group of people getting together because we like to get together. That the church is the representation of Jesus Christ in the world today. That Jesus spoke to the church and he emphatically told them that the things you have seen me doing, you will do even greater things because I'm going to the Father. And, and I believe the greater things is that we have the opportunity as the church to represent Jesus Christ in literally millions of places at the same time. That all of these Christians that, um, that are empowered by God are representing the ministry of Jesus Christ everywhere. And so we are, we're not perhaps in the sense of doing greater miracles. I mean, Jesus raised the dead, and if someone gets raised from the dead, they get raised from the dead. There isn't any like, okay, you, you know what I'm saying. If blind eyes are open, then blind eyes are open. They, there's not a level or a degree of greater blind eye openness. But I do believe that the church is doing greater things because there are more of us. Jesus, while he walked in his earthly ministry, was, was limited by the proximity of where he could go at that time. Matter of fact, the Bible lets us know he walked most everywhere. It's a good thing Israel's pretty small. I mean, it's a very small country. Uh, it's almost shockingly small when you go there and realize that it's just not very big. But yet it has impacted the world. And that's really what I, I want us to understand today, was that you and I have this opportunity to be a part of something that's not a social club, we have the opportunity to be a part of something that's not just a gathering of people. I honestly believe that the church, empowered by Jesus Christ, is the hope of the world. You know, I mean, you'll have to forgive me for a moment to be so ashamedly honest, but, but um, the fact of the matter is, I believe in the local church. And there's a lot of people that, that want to talk bad about the church, or they want to talk bad about organized religion and all that, but I am thankful that the Word of God shows us example after example of people organizing to effect change. The people getting together, and I believe that this really is the, um, the answer in a lot of people's lives. See, we look at this from the local church to neighborhoods to towns to rural communities. Uh, Rural communities and, and cities, these are all touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ and his life-changing power. The local church has the opportunity to reach out from this place and bring the change necessary in people's lives all around us in this demographic. The local church. We as the body of Christ, we as the local church, step into our communities, whether it is Broken Arrow or... Bigsby or Kiefer or Mounds, Glenpool, Altmogie, Beggs, Preston, Henrietta, Sepulpa, Jinx, Tulsa, Skytook. Where else are we? My goodness. Hectorville, everybody, you know, the great metropolis. We're, re we're reaching into farmland and we're reaching into inner city. We're, we're reaching people who are herding cattle. And we're reaching people who ride Harley Davidsons. 
And it is a powerful opportunity for you and I to recognize that we can change the world from here. From right here. From right here. 2125 West, 181st Street, South Tulsa County. From right here, you and I have the opportunity together to change the world. Now today's message is going to be quite ambitious. Because I am absolutely convinced that not only do we have the opportunity to change the immediate context of our, of our church grounds, that, that we have fingers that are reaching out into all of these areas and all of these communities, from rural communities to city communities to suburb communities, that we have this opportunity as a church to reach within the local demographic of our church, but we also partner with parachurch ministries that are helping us go all around the world. Yeah, about five weeks from now, Dr. Tim Ekblad, myself, two others are heading to Ghana and Sierra Leone, West Africa. And we are going to be teaching pastors. Over, over 500 pastors are going to be assembled together in these places for us to, to impart biblical knowledge to them in their context. We have this opportunity as a church. See, we have this opportunity to say, everybody in this building uh, uh, you know, may not be going. It is the, the lead pastor is going this time. But, but you, have, you have this opportunity because we are partnering with a para-church ministry. You have the opportunity to partner with us as, as we go across the world. Touch the lives of, of pastors. My, my heart was burdened this week as I read the news reports of a terrorist bombing in the city of Davao City in the island of Mindanao, Philippines. You say, now that may not mean a whole lot to some of you. You say, well, Davao City, it's, it's literally the other side of the world and, and all this. But yet, when I read of this bombing that took place right outside the Marco Polo uh, hotel in Davao City. I know where that's at. Boston walked into the room and looked at me and said, we've been in that market. We've been in that market where that, where that terrorist bomb killed those people this week. We've been there. We've walked those streets as a part of Harvest House um, International Ministries. We've walked those streets. We have, we have touched the lives of these Filipino people because we feel that we can change the world from here and our church has been gracious to send several of us several times to go and help establish ministries and churches on the island of Mindanao. I think, man, I've been there. Walked those streets. Touched those people. That's all made possible because we have this... We have this opportunity, this tremendous opportunity. I mean, right now I'm, I'm getting more opportunities for this kind of stuff than I can even accept. I, I had a, 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 a new one come in from India two weeks ago and another one come in from Indonesia a couple of weeks ago. Can you come? Can you come here? We will go. We have the opportunity, though, as a church to partner with parachurch ministries. We partner with my oldest son, Baylor, who is, works for the Acts Missions Organization. And they send missionaries 
all over the world, and, and they're training people to, to work in prayer rooms. And they even talking about next year the places that Baylor's going to have to go globally to, to help establish these prayer rooms where he's going to be there for three and four months at a time and just establishing people in these parachurch ministries. And then, then they work in conjunction with Every Home for Christ. And Every Home for Christ is a mission-sending organization that partners with churches primarily to send people into countries to hand out gospel literature. Over 5,000 regional directors at Every Home for Christ all around the world. And there's all of these opportunities for us as a church to, to be what the local church is supposed to be. This is what happens when you partner together. Because we may not be able to do all of this as an individual, but we can certainly do all of this as a group. That when we group ourselves together, we group our talent together, we group our finances together, we, we group our, 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 our callings and our giftings together, that when we group these things together, we really can change the world from here. We really can change the world from here. And I, I think that it's extremely important for us to recognize this. I mean, the, the disciples got that kind of word at the onset of their church mission. I mean, here's Jesus, and he's giving them what we know as the Great Commission. He's speaking this commission to them. He said, I am, I am commissioning you to do something. And, 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 and here is the mandate in, in Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just know that I'm with you, and I'm with you in order for you to be able to go. In order for you to be able to go. There is, there is this go-ness. I know that's not a word, but just put a hyphen there, and you can make a word out of anything. There is this, there is this go-ness about the church. There's this go-ness about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the gospel of Jesus Christ was never meant for us as the people of God to just hoard it upon ourselves, that we just kind of lock it within our own little, our little world like this, and we just sort of, yeah, we just lock it in right here. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's not about you, because it's all about me. Yes, it's all about me. How many people that are Christian, that call themselves Christian, sing that song? You know, I mean, I, <laughs> we preached in a, it was a very strict, strict, some of you might be familiar, you might have, you might, you might have family or something. It was a pretty, it was a pretty strict Pentecostal um, environment years ago. And we preached in this church where, where I'm, I'm trying to be nice. Everybody say, be nice. Thank you. I, I will take that. I will receive that word of advice from you today. But, but they, were, they were singing this song, and it, it was a pretty cloistered group. You know what I'm saying? It's like there wasn't... Okay, anyway. And the song leader was up there, and he, he was, we used to sing this song. The song is supposed to be sung like this. Mine, 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 Jesus is mine. He's mine in the morning. He's mine in the evening. It's supposed to be like a happy song. <laughs> that ain't the way they were singing it. They were singing like this. Mine, 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 Jesus is mine. He's mine in the morning. He's mine. And I'm thinking, they believe that. He's theirs and no one else's. 
You know, I mean, it just, it just roll. You've just filled this thing roll off of these people. Bless their heart. You just feel this thing roll off because if you say bless your heart, you can say anything. Just bless their heart. You know, you just feel this thing that they, they, they really, they really didn't care about this idea of reach. They didn't really care about this idea of go. Their mentality was we just kind of had to draw our lines tight and we have to build our walls high. And if, if we can keep the world out, then we can be saved. And so Jesus is mine. He, he's not the Baptists. He's mine. He's not other Pentecostals. He's mine. He's not the Presbyterians. He's mine. At some point, you have to recognize that Everything that Jesus gave the church, he meant for us to give away. And he meant for us primarily to give it away to people who weren't a part of the church in that sense. In other words, we give our lives to not keep, to not be keepers of an aquarium. I mean, there's a lot of, I've been in, I've been in hundreds if not thousands of churches and and there, there's, a, there's a lot of churches out there I've been in that they just kind of had that mine song going on. It's all about mine. It's just mine. And build high walls and barbed wire fence around and razor wire. It's like, no, we got to keep, we got to. We not only have to build high enough walls to keep all of us in, we have to build high enough walls to keep everybody else out. And they get this, this church mentality where they're really not concerned about changing the world from here. They're just sort of holding their own. They're just, and, and it's like this aquarium. We, we used to have an aquarium. I, I kill things in aquariums. So, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's like those fish. I don't know why they even subscribe me to be the keeper of the aquarium of the house. Because I'm surprised. I mean, seriously, I'm surprised our dog has made it. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like the plants. We have what is left of the plants. You know what I'm saying? I mean, all I have to do is be the one that turns the water sprinklers on, and all of them die. I mean, I don't know what some of these people do. I mean, some of you got like green thumb something. It's like a gift. I don't know if you're going outside in the morning and doing what I refuse to do, sitting Indian style among your plants and sweet-talking them into blooming. I don't know what you're doing. I don't know. I, I, but yes, yesterday, we was walking through the house, and here's this plant that we have, the one plant that has survived so far. And, and, and I looked at Raylene, and I'm like, I'm like, how long has that plant, how long has it been since that plant got water? And she's like, oh, I don't know. I said, well, I haven't watered it. She said, well, I haven't either. I said, well, if I water it, it will die. So somebody else in the house needs to get a cup and water this plant. I don't know if that plant heard that. I don't know if they hear these things. I don't know, but... But um, I ended up watering that plant. We'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll give you all a report. I will give you a report on that plant. But um, I, I didn't do too well with the aquarium. Here, here's the idea of an aquarium. And God bless those people that get, you know, they get schooling to learn how to take care of them things. You ever gone to the Oklahoma Aquarium up here in Jinx? Pretty amazing. You should go if you haven't gone. It's worth going to. But, 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 you know, they, they, they have all of these animals, there, fish and stuff that are supposed to live out there in the wild. They're supposed to be in the ocean, okay? They're supposed to be born free. They're supposed to be out there. You know what I'm saying? 
But but whatever reason, they're in they're in these tanks and they've they've made their world extremely small. Extremely small. And they just swim around, do what fish do. And I always thought something about this this aquarium that I had going on at the house for a little while. You know, I'd take the I'd take the fish out and put it in bowls and and let them swim around. You gotta have a mixture of the old water and the new water, and you gotta assimilate the fish to the new water when you clean the tank. And I clean the tank, I'd take them, dump out the rocks, clean the rocks, and put it all back in, and put the blower back on, and put the dechlorinization stuff in because that's real important. And, you, and then you you then you take some of the new water after it's had a time to circulate a little bit. You take some of the new water, you add it. And you sort of do a mixture of the two with the little fish in there. And I, I learned how to be somewhat of a keeper of an aquarium. I mean, eventually they were all gone. But, and the reason... <laughs> I mean, they lasted a whole lot longer than I thought they would. And I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, there, there was one or two of them, I think, you know, they lasted their life cycle. But... but um, but, you know, I, I'm looking at, at that, and I'm thinking, you know, we never, we, we weren't going to add any more fish to it. I mean, the boys thought they wanted the aquarium, and they were going to take care of them. Daddy, I promise we'll take care of it, Daddy, I promise. No, they ain't going to take care of it. It was another job for me. I am the only one that ever took care of them fish. And they were my fish, not in my bedroom, but they were, you know, and, but man, and I think about this, we never added any new fish, and the fish weren't in a reproductive environment, and so, and so, it was just like, eventually, everything in the aquarium is gone. And that's the way people want churches to be. We, we get such a keep mentality. We just have, we keep. And I understand, we want to disciple people. We love people. We want to build community. But Jesus did not call those original disciples to be keepers of men. He called them to be fishers of men. And he, he was speaking to fishermen that understood what he meant by that. That, that if you will follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. And they understood that any fisherman worth his salt expects that he's going to catch fish. I mean, I wish I were more active in the fishing room. I enjoy doing it. But I'll tell you this. I may not be a professional bass fisher or may not be a professional saltwater fisher, and I've got people in my life that are, and I love it, and I go with them sometimes, and it's, it's great, and it's a lot of fun. But I will tell you this, I have never, I have never put a hook in the water that I didn't expect to catch fish. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, I wouldn't even do it, John. I wouldn't even do it if I didn't believe that I was going to catch something. Every cast, I believe, something's coming back. Because I'm not here just to just to keep what we got in the boat. Well, praise God. One of our, one of our members, uh, Cassandra, is, there you, you're back there. I think I see you. 
her little girl, Hadley, what, four? Huh? Yeah. She saw Boston come out of school. She posted this on Facebook. I, I love this stuff. She posted, posted Boston was coming out of school, and little four-year-old Hadley said, I know him. He goes to our church. So it started this conversation. She said, well, you know who that is, don't you? Well, no. And she said, well, do, do you know Pastor Rob and Raylene? Do you know who they are? And she said, yeah, Pastor Rob's the manager. <laughs> and Raylene wears pretty shoes. There we have it. So that, that <laughs> so, so I, I have been designated as the manager of the church by the four-year-old children's ministry. But, but, but listen, 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 this is very important. If that's, you know, if that's all we do is just manage what we got, then we are not going to change the world from here. Because really the only way for us to truly have what God has called us to do and be what God has called us to be, the only way that that can truly happen is for us to understand the go part of the gospel. That, that we're not just called to keep. Church isn't an aquarium. The church is sat in the ocean of the world. And there has, to be a, there has to be a synergy between keeping people and reaching people. That, that if the church doesn't consistently cast out the net to reach for people, then ultimately, it will be like that aquarium in that bedroom. Ultimately, because you're not putting any new fish in the tank. Ultimately, you just have an empty tank. And when Jesus called us to be a part of this thing called the church, listen, you're not a good fisherman if you don't expect to catch fish. I believe that God has injected within the DNA of the church this idea that while we are establishing people and while we are connecting people and while we are keeping people at the same time, there has to be a mechanism where those people are reaching for more people and reaching for more people. And every time we pull the net back in, there are keepers. Every time the net comes back in, there are keepers. But we reach, and we reach, and we continue to reach. Why? Because we believe we can change the world from here. We absolutely believe that what we offer as a church is valuable for people in their life. And we're not just playing games. We're not just trying to build our own little social club. We actually believe that Jesus Christ still delivers and that he still heals and that he still affects change in people's lives. That's positive that marriages will get better because they come to church here. That lives will be stronger because they come to church here. People will find happiness in their life and find belonging and community because they come here. We really believe that we can reach out into into Beggs and make a difference and reach into Mogi and make a difference and Henrietta make a difference and Hectorville make a difference. Preston, make a difference. Mounds, make a difference. Kiefer, make a difference. Glenpool, make a difference. Bigsby, make a difference. 
Liberty Mounts, make a difference. Broken Arrow, make a difference. Tulsa, make a difference. Jinx, make a difference. Sepulpa, make a difference. We really believe that we can change the world from here. Why? Because we believe in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church doesn't understand the reaching component. The reaching component. See, Jesus is explicitly telling the church in Matthew 28 to take what they have been given and go to the four corners of the world and affect gospel change. This message was reiterated by Jesus right before his ascension in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His message was clear. The power of the Holy Spirit... It's going to make you world changers. This church isn't meant to stay cloistered together in an upper room in Jerusalem. It's not what it's about. Yeah, go to Jerusalem and, and be there until you're endued with power from, from on high. That's what he said in the earlier verses of Acts chapter 1. Go be endued with power from on high. But, but keep in mind that you're going to come out of that upper room. And this church is not supposed to be an aquarium. This church is supposed to spread itself into the ocean of the world and affect change wherever you go. This is our aim, and I think that, I think that our aim is clear that, that in order to be world changers and in order for us to find true fulfillment, our lives need to matter. Great theologian D.L. Moody said, Our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be that we fail, but that we would actually succeed at something that makes no difference. Do you want to make a difference? See, I want to make a difference. You can't just aim at anything, though. You have to aim at the right thing, and church helps you aim at the right thing. Our mission, love God, connect with others, serve with excellence. What's happening in the, in the confines? What's the aim of that mission? Why do you even have that mission? Why do you want people to love God, connect with others, and serve with excellence? I'm going to tell you why. Because lost people need to be saved, and saved people need to be pastored, and pastored people need to be trained, and trained people need to be sent. Why? Because it's the mission of the church. It's always been the mission of the church. The mission of the church has never been to keep an aquarium. The mission of the church has never been, that's for and no more. The mission of the church has never built, been built high walls and, and just hide out till Jesus comes. No, the mission of the church has always been tear down the walls and go get people. Is this too passionate for y'all? Stir something deep inside of my soul. People have the opportunity to know God, that people have the opportunity to find freedom, that people have the opportunity to discover their purpose and to make a difference in the world. Why do we want to do all of that? Why do we want to get lost people saved and saved people pastored and pastored people trained and trained people sent? Why, why do we want to do that? Because we can change the world from here. We can change the world from here. 
I mean, I think about that, that early church. They, they gathered together in Jerusalem, and the church grew pretty quickly in Jerusalem, but then persecution came. And you know what? I am absolutely convinced that God will use that kind of persecution because I believe God used persecution against them to spread the gospel. He said, you guys got to get out of the aquarium. The Bible says that the disciples were scattered after the stoning of Stephen, that the, the disciples were scattered. But you know what? It also said, and the gospel was effective. That the scattering of the disciples from Jerusalem was, was a God-sent atom bomb to spread that church out to say, no, you can't stay here. Why? Because the original mandate of the church was that, okay, you're going to be touched by God in Jerusalem and you're going you're to be sent to minister, Acts 1.8. That you will be my witnesses where? He said, in Jerusalem, so that's great. That's my city. Everybody say, my city. Some of you say, I don't live in a city. I live on a cow farm. Well, my cow farm. Because there's other people out there that have cows. You, you telling me that nobody by you needs Jesus? Nobody by you? I mean, Ray, Raylene and I were in a situation um, yesterday. We were talking and someone, was, someone was, was there. And I'm being very careful because these things go out on Stitcher and iTunes. I'm being very careful in... Uh, in what I'm saying here, because I don't want anything to affect what I plan on God doing in those lives. But we looked, we looked at that individual. We looked at that individual, and I looked at Raylene, and I said, I will win that family. I will win that family. They are way too close to us not to come to our church. And as far as I know, they have been unchurched most of their lives. But they call me friend. They also call me a really cool pastor, but that, that's another thing. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Do you understand that that's my Jerusalem? That I have the opportunity that I can look around my neighborhood and find somebody that doesn't have Christ? You can too. Can you look around your workplace, find somebody that doesn't have Christ? You can, yeah. Well, what, where is your Jerusalem? Well, your Jerusalem is your immediate context, the immediate context of your life. And let me throw this in for good measure. Oh, ye ivory tower Christians. None of you here. This is for all those people listening. Let me throw this in for the ivory tower Christians. If you don't have people that are friends in your life that don't go to church and that aren't Christian, then you need to reassess who's your friends. Oh, boy. Because you ain't never going to win somebody to the Lord if you don't first be their friend. Well, I can't associate with non-Christians. What is your problem? Is your Christianity that weak? Well, praise God. All right. I'm, I'm challenging you. Go find who's in your city. Go find who, who is in your Jerusalem. Go find them. You thought, man, I never even thought about going to dinner with them. You should. You should. You should. You should purpose in your heart. Now, you're not just going to hang out with other Christians. Okay, that's good. That's something we're pressing in our, in our connect groups. We don't want our connect groups to invite unsaved people to the connect group. You might just have a good old salvation time during that connect group. You never know. All right. Why? Because we have, we have, an, we, we have a responsibility to, to affect change. We can change the world from here, man. 
one person at a time in our neighborhood, in our town, in the county, the immediate context. And he said, go to Judea and Samaria. That your witness is going to start in Jerusalem, but then it's going to go to Judea and Samaria. What is that? That's our state and our nation. He's looking at those disciples saying, you better not build an aquarium for the church in Jerusalem. You've got to go get the regions. And that was difficult for them because in their Jewish context, the Samaritans, they didn't fellowship with Samaritans. But he's looking at them saying, you know what, go out there. You say, Pastor, are you saying that triumph can even affect change in the state and even the nation? I'm telling you, we can change the world from here. I was just thinking to myself, one way that we could go national is let's influence other churches. Let's be, let's be the kind of church that other churches look at and say, man, if I, I want to do it like them because I think that's going to work. What's wrong with that? That's not ego. That's not being egotistical. That's trying to follow the command of Jesus to say, as a church, there's a responsibility on us to affect change. And we got to go to Judea and Samaria. We got to we got to hit the outer region. And then ultimately it says to the to the uttermost parts of the earth, which is the world, and we're doing that. We're gonna do more of it. I'll be honest with you, I am not a I am not a I am not one of those people that does international travel easily. It's difficult for me. It's way out of my comfort zone. You know why I'm doing that? You know what? I, I keep telling Raylene, I'm like, man, oh man, I'll be, I, I'm scared to death to go to Africa. You tell a preacher, you're not supposed to say that. Well, I mean, it just is. I mean, I, I just, I don't, I don't, I don't do it well. But I will tell you this. I do it because there's a God called mandate that says a part of this church, this church is going to be sending people. We already have, and we're going to keep doing it. And I don't know what awaits us in, in Africa as far as the, the impact that four past four preachers can make. Four preachers. Two of them work at ORU and, and two others. I don't know don't tell them what kind of impact we're going to make next month, middle of October, on the lives of those pastors. I will tell you this, that this church will be a part of that. And we can step back and go, man, our church is going to the uttermost parts of the world. We can go through the pastor. You might go through other leaders. Uh, Dr. Tim Ekblad is a faithful member of our first church session. Two of us from this church are going to be in Africa in a month. Two of us from this church. Well, praise God. Stand with me. Come right at you today. But I believe what I've preached, and I'm telling you, we can change the world from here. We've got three more weeks on this series. You're not going to believe how it's going to unpack. But we can change the world from here. That's what I want to do if you'll bow your heads for a second. There are people in this room that say, you know what, Pastor? I love what you're saying, but man, I, I don't even know where my Christianity is. I'm not so sure about my salvation. I don't know where I stand with the Lord, but I would like to make a commitment today to Him. I would like today to be a day that I can truly say I was saved. And if that's you in this house, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to put a spotlight on you. I'm not going to make you talk in a microphone. All I'm going to do is pray with you, okay? If that is you, you say, Pastor, I want to pray today for salvation in my life. I need a fresh start. Would you just raise your hand at me and wave it at me? All right. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Listen, if it's your first time to pray, keep your heads bowed. If it's your first time to pray on your Connect card, 
there's a place for you to check that box. We want to we talk to you a little more about that too. Another set I'm going to pray for right now. You say, Pastor, I know where I am Christian-wise, but I need the help of the Holy Spirit for me to be the reacher that God has called me to be. And would you pray with me that the Holy Spirit will empower me to be a reacher? If you want to be a reacher, lift your hand and wave it at me. If you want to be a reacher, thank you so much for that commitment to the Lord. Okay, so let's all pray together. We're going to pray for both. Let's all pray together. Say, Jesus, I thank you right now for the opportunity to be saved and to be effective. I pray right now that as I am confessing Jesus Christ is my Lord and I am declaring that God raised Him from the dead for me, that you are going to save me and that you are going to empower me. I thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said amen to that. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. He's worthy.